ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good morning, this is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Game Changer Network, and we have a game-changing interview for you today. Now, I know you have come to expect that from us, but today is a little bit different. We are going to be talking to Michael Sherlock, and first of all, the Game Changer is Michael is not a man, Michael is a woman, and we're going to have her tell you a little bit about that story, and also, we normally interview business authors, and their books normally tell a story, but in in a way of delivering information that, that is a little bit more factual and sometimes peppered with research, and Michael has chosen a genre for her book that actually tells a story through telling a story, and it's called an allegorical business novel, or you'll also hear it called a business fable. Michael, welcome. Thank you very much, Chicky. It's great to be here today. Michael, before we dive into talking about your book, why don't you tell us a little bit about you personally, and then you know we'll we'll kind of weave our way into you talking about how you became an author and and what you do in your day job, and then we're going to dive right into the book. You bet, and I love the fact that you started out talking about my name because it is typically shocking to people, and uh, you'd think that after an entire lifetime of having a man's name. But being a woman, I would remember to prepare people for that. But uh, even just a couple weeks ago, I did a radio interview, and I was introduced as Mr. Michael Sherlock. And I had to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I should have given you a better heads up. So it is, uh, it is a joy. <laughs> well, and I, too, have had a name my entire life that is very unusual, and Chicky is my real name. And I forget that it's not a normal name. And, you know, it was only when I was traveling in the Middle East, uh, you know, when I was involved in corporate life that, you know, it, I really had to be prepared for how people might react to it because it was so unusual. But uh, it, Absolutely. it's fun. It sets us apart. So, so tell us the story. <laughs> well, I was uh, named after a family friend, and it, it actually started out as, as a joke. My parents, um, I have uh, – five siblings, and my parents always wanted to have six children, three boys, three girls, and they had three boys, and they had two girls, and then were unable to uh, have any additional children. So I came along a great deal of time later, about 11 years from my next youngest sister, and I was adopted. And so when my parents uh, were able to get me, as I always refer to it, they um, said, you know, well, we're going to have to change your name anyway. You know, maybe we'll name this one Michael. <laughs> so it started out really as a joke, but it became um, it became the uh, the passion of my parents. And then the person that I was named after, he didn't think that was appropriate for a little girl, so he would call me Michelle. So you can call me anything. I answer to Bob. <laughs> I answer to Charlie. Oh, that's so you know, funny. <laughs> Well, well, we have another link, and this, you know, I always discover this with the authors as I'm, I'm beginning to get to know you. And uh, we adopted our son from Russia when he was three, and we had decided because our last name is Fitzgerald, we had decided that we were going to name him Sean, um, Sean Patrick, and you know, which was a great Irish name. 
and he he probably could have passed for Irish because he's he's blonde and has green eyes and and uh, you know it could have worked, uh, but <laughs> when we got there and you know his birth name was Sergey, and in for for a three year old they don't call them by the adult version it's kind of like Michael and Mikey right. Um, right. So they called him Seroja, which is, again, the diminutive uh, for Sergei. And, and we had a terrible time learning how to pronounce Seroja. And, you know, now it just rolls off the tongue. But, but we decided when we got him home that, I mean, he was so Sergei that there was no way that we could change his name. So here he is now, the Russian Irishman, Sergei Fitzgerald, <laughs> which is it's going to be memorable his whole life. And uh, we we did give give him Sean actually as his first name, so it's Sean Sergey. But now, b- before he turns eighteen, I'd like to go and have it legally changed to be Sergey, and he'd like to take his Russian uh, last name as his middle name, which I think would be wonderful. So you know, it's fantastic. just interesting about the evolution of names and you know what we as adoptive parents or the adopted child uh you know take on in in that whole naming process so that that is really fascinating and i will call you michael because it is your name and and it also <laughs> happens to be my husband's name so it makes it really easy to remember so michael it. your book is called tell me more and and it really uh is all about describing a coaching methodology. I mean, if you have to boil it down, uh, that's what my takeaway is uh, from the book. But you made the decision not just to lay out that coaching methodology in, you know, what I might call a dry form, you know, which is really delivering information, but you wove it into this storytelling mechanism. So tell us why the allegorical style. Absolutely. You know, it to me, I think back um, not only in terms of my career path, but the kind of leader I am, the kind of individual contributor I was before I became a leader. And I, I see a very unique path. So I've spent I spent a, a you know large portion of my career path to this point in a medical field, medical based uh, sales, those types of things. And so very serious subjects, very serious products um, that I was responsible for uh, and, and organizations that, you know, really had to deal with issues that people had to address on a very serious nature. But I've always been a little less serious. So I take very serious topics, very serious products, services, and I'd like to find a way to bring them to a human form. Because whether or not we're selling a product or we are um, trying to work with someone to uncover what you know an issue is that they have to embrace. They're very serious things, but it doesn't mean you have to always be serious. And I wanted to write a leadership book for a long time, but I struggled with it. Not from the maybe from the writing process as well. I've always really enjoyed writing, but I couldn't seem to bring it down because I kept trying to do it very seriously. And one day I was sitting in a conference. Uh, myself, and it had been a long time since I had just enjoyed being a member of a conference, and we have a very large uh, annual conference in Philadelphia for uh, primarily for women, and I sat there just as a participant one year, and I soaked it all in, and it was fabulous, and as I was sitting there 
I thought, you know what, I, I'm trying so hard to create this very scientific or very professional book, and yet I have a story to tell that I can tell in a different way that's more true to me. And when I sat down to, to actually write the book, I wrote the book within six weeks, almost just on the fly. Everything just kind of was coming at me left and right. Now, I took months and months to edit it, but the actual writing was so fast and so easy once I got past my own mentality and said, okay, let's make this about who you are. You're going to write it in a way that's easy for you, that people will be easy to, di- to digest and enjoy, but it has to be something that's true to you. Michael, it is so funny that you should uh, mention all of this because I feel like I'm looking in the mirror. Just this morning, as I mentioned to you before we got on the call, uh, my book arrived and I, I, I'm sitting here looking at the box because my phone, my cell phone was dead and I couldn't take the picture of me opening the box, which I wanted. And my book, uh, and I know that you're connected to Bob Berg and, and Bob's book was actually my inspiration, The Go-Giver. And I was walking through a bookstore in a, in a, an airport, found the book, didn't really even need a book because I was going on a short flight from Atlanta to Tampa, but I ended up reading the entire book by the time I landed in it in Tampa. And I was so fascinated and wanted, you know, for the longest time to write that style of book. But for years, I would go into bookstores and see how many business books there were. And it was like, oh my God, why would anybody ever read mine? And then I had already started my radio show a couple of years previous. And so I had interviewed you know quite a few people uh, by that time and and so one day I walked into a public library and what was different then there were still a lot of business books and it is overwhelming when you're thinking about becoming one of them but what was different this time is as I looked at each book on the shelf you know on each shelf there were three or four books of authors that I had interviewed and so my book is actually the same kind of storytelling but each person in the story ends up listening to one of my real radio shows so it and and again when i looked at the genre i thought well this isn't even a real category on amazon how how is anybody ever going to find it but the interesting is uh our style of book is becoming more and more popular and so that's really really good news for us so tell me more about tell me more <laughs> and I, I love your story, too, because it is really true. I, I, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that. I think when I sat down to write it, and I wanted to write it in this format, I first uh, said to my husband, I'm going to do this differently. And I was a little nervous um, because he has a very, very serious position as well, um, a great deal of responsibility. And he said, well, you know, why are you concerned about this? And I said, because I feel like I'm writing a junk food book. Because it's written so easily and it's so easy to read and, you know, an airplane book that you can read in an airplane ride. And and I kind of feel like maybe that's a junk food version of this, but this is the best way for me to tell my story. And he said, I think it's fabulous. Why don't you go for it? So. Well, and the other funny thing about uh, the other parallel about our stories, when I first sat down to write my book, I I actually wrote mine in three days and it literally Mm -hmm. poured out of my fingers. It went, you know, like straight from from brain and and through the heart into my fingers. 
And it wasn't until after I sat down to read the whole thing that I realized that there was not a stitch of dialogue in the whole book. Everything was in people's heads, and I didn't know how to write dialogue. So I went back and, you know, again, finally mastered that. And I think mine was another year and a half or maybe two years, not because it took that long to edit, but just, you know, life got in the way, and I I had a lot of things going on. But uh, So so tell us a a little bit about the uh, kind of – the the tableau of the story, you know, the characters that you've got in the book, what, what is their relationship with one another? And, and then we're going to dive into the book directly. Sure. You know, um, the last four or five years of my career, I've had some significant positions where I have been responsible for hundreds of people and hundreds of millions of dollars in sales revenue. And that's really what has sparked kind of a new level of leadership for me. In fact, I just got done uh, taping a presentation in my hometown where I was talking about my first experiences as a leader, which was actually long, long ago when I was uh, working in a restaurant. And although I primarily was a uh, server, I had the opportunity to be head greeter for several days. Um, so I was responsible for where people sat in the restaurant and the flow of the restaurant. And I had kind of an epic failure in that. And my epic failure wasn't because I wasn't good at it, because I was actually very good at it. We had some record-breaking days and, and had great flow through the restaurant, but I I didn't engage the team that was responsible for making that happen. And I had this moment where the the other greeters decided they didn't want to work for me anymore because I didn't I didn't Aww. talk to them the way they wanted me to. And it was the first time I had to sit back and and really take a piece of humble pie and say, "Okay, tell me more." Because we've, you know, we've had fabulous turnover, you know, we've had happy customers, we had, you know, great sales, I had happy servers. Where did I go wrong with you that you won't follow me to hit the end result that we want for this business? And it really forced me to ask questions. And I, it's probably the first time that I started saying, well, tell me more, more as a method of patience for myself to stop and listen. But it really became a key with me in terms of how I had to stop and actively listen and engage with people And especially today when we're so drawn in different pieces, you know, we're being pulled away by our cell phones and and email and everything is bombarding us. We don't take enough time to actively listen and really engage with the people that are responsible for helping us achieve success. So that was really my core driver. Well, I love that. And and especially the admission uh, and your transparency and talking about your own perhaps lack of patience and you you describe it as as really needing just to take that breath in in getting yourself out of looking at yourself and really really looking at others and listening to what they have to say um so so tell us about some of the characters. I know you start the the very first chapter, which is called uh, The Busier the Better, which uh, I think many of us live that life, and you start out talking about Maria. So tell us mm-hmm. about Maria. It's funny, as people read the book, they, they want to know whether or not I am Maria or Jane, who becomes kind of her unlikely mentor, um, who is the speaker <laughs> at this conference. And I, I just usually, you know, kind of giggle and smile and say, tell me more. Who do you think I am? Uh, because mm. I'm a part of both of them. 
Um, but it's not just me. You know, I've had various leaders myself in my career who've been great. So I think these characters are a little bit of me as well as other people. In fact, all the characters in the book are people I have known and interacted with, but no one character is exactly one person. There's some traits that um, have been pulled through with specific people, and, and some of them have recognized them. In fact, uh, one of my... Uh, Former colleagues called me very upset about the name I gave his character. <laughs> oh, how funny is that? And so why didn't you yeah, give me a better name? <laughs> yeah, this this particular genre must, and I would love to talk to some other folks who've written this style because mine is exactly the same. I've got one character who is the me that I would have been had I gotten married right out of, of school and had kids when I was in my 20s instead of, you know, I had my daughter in my 40s and we adopted my son when I was 46, right? Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, another character is the me that I would have been had I gotten a couple of master's degrees and ended up on Wall Street, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> instead Absolutely. of being a college dropout. So it is so <laughs> much fun to hear you say that, that, that you have done the same thing. Because, you know, I, I think that that brings and authenticity and especially when you're writing a novel and and not like writing a historical novel where you actually have to do a huge amount of research um but really taking those blended characters that that is really a wonderful wonderful story well and it's it's fun too because then i get to have some more honest moments and you know in the beginning of the book you know the character maria is a part of who I have been at various uh, stages of my career and that I have, that I will fall back into. So one of the, you know, the, the most challenging aspects that I face as a, a leader and as an individual contributor is getting so busy. So I, you know, I, I'm a, a doer. I'm always in constant motion. I'm always constantly active and I'm really good at solving problems. And so Maria faces the same thing. She's busy, busy, busy. She's trying to focus. She's got a thousand things going on. So she stops living in the moment while she's trying to master all those things and not taking advantage of this situation that's unfolding in front of her. And, you know, it's about trying to feel like you're in control. So it really, I try to set the stage. And, and I often ask when I'm doing presentations that I will ask the crowd, how many of you feel like it's easier to do things yourself than to take the time to teach somebody else. <laughs> and it's it's not a novel concept. We all know it. We've heard it before. But I think right. it's important that we recognize that if you're so busy doing, you never develop, especially as a leader, you never develop the people around you. And so you will constantly be solving and you may feel good. In fact, I think there's a high, you know, that you get from yeah. that where you feel like, oh, I've done that. Look at how great I am. I can do all these things. But if you do that at the expense of not uh, developing the people around you, you really not only hurt yourself, but you've stolen something from those people. You've stolen the opportunity to teach them at a different level and develop things that they didn't know they had. And that's when my recognition is, you know, when I have to look in the mirror and say, my goodness, by doing all this, boy, I sure get the credit, don't I? Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) What have I taken away from the people that report to me? 
Well, and I knew, I really needed to hear that today because I am just I I am a technologist at heart, and my book is about a technology company. And I'm just bringing my brand new team together for the first time next week. And I've been the doer because I've had to be the doer, right? As an entrepreneur, um, you mm-hmm. know, building a company. If you don't have help, you get to be everything. And, and so I'm going to remember that phrase uh, because I think that that will help me define who I want to be as a leader uh, moving forward. So, so does she learn to, to use the tell me more phrase or is someone using that with her? So in the, in the beginning, Maria is volunteering for this conference. And so she has to be the moderator in essence for this speaker, this Jane Smith, this very, you know, uh, common name, but an uncommon person. And my website is still in development, but when you see it done, uh, you will see that one of the things that I embraced in the last several years is more fully embracing the kind of wacky side of myself. So I will have different color hair at any given time. So uh, Jane, Jane is like that. She has some great shoes. She has some, you know, strange hair, but she has a very serious message with a with a flair. And in her presentation, she talks about this concept about developing people and being able to stop and slow down and say, tell me more. And um, it's it's really indicative of how I like to interact with people because, the, you know, Jane, in this uh, in this presentation that she gives, she takes examples right from the audience. And and that's one of the things that I love to do is I love to have people throw their worst at me. You know, so they'll say, oh, well, that sounds great. You can develop people by saying, tell me more, but you don't have, you know, Sally who works at my front desk who is always meddling in other things, and you don't know our community or you don't know our product that we sell. <laughs> and I love to have them throw that out me because then I can say, well, tell me more. What is different about Sally at your front desk? You know, what are you trying to achieve for her? And through the process of questioning, uh, Maria gets to see this in action in this seminar format but it really starts to force her to think about the people that report to her and how many times she is just solving their problems and moving on as fast as she can, but she can never get ahead of it. Well, you can never get ahead of it if you are always the one carrying every monkey on your back. You have to be able to have some other people carry monkeys, and they can only do that if you help them to develop. So one of the questions that you also interject uh, as as a probing question that we can learn from is, why are we doing this? So set mm-hmm. the stage for us a little bit about how that comes out as a probe. I think it's really important that when you start to ask people questions, so let me give you an example. Um, I had uh, one of my leaders at one point in time who called me and said, you know, I've got this, um, I've got the salesperson. She wants to do a discount that's above and beyond what we allow. And I know we're not supposed to do it. And I know she's asked before, but this is the last time I swear. Uh, but I need your approval for it. Will you do it? Now, prior to, you know, me having my own awareness for this, I would have either said yes or no based on whatever I felt like at the moment in terms of what I knew the situation. But it was one of those moments where I had to slow down and say, you know, tell me more. Can you explain to me why? Why does she want to do this now? Why, you know, what is her true issue with the pricing and where it is? 
Why is she looking to have an additional discount? And it wasn't even so much for me to learn why that salesperson wanted that. It was a, it was a, an exercise with my sales manager, my sales leader, to teach her to ask those questions because as I posed the questions, she had to recognize that she didn't know the answers. And then as we broke it down, she realized, oh my gosh, I haven't helped train this person to overcome her own objections. I haven't asked her the right questions to say, can you help me to understand? Please help me understand. Why do we do this over and over again? Obviously, I'm not listening to you. And so it really, it's a, it's a big awareness to be able to get down to the heart of what somebody is holding as, you know, what we might consider an objection. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's a, an objection. It just means we haven't gotten down to the truth. So I talk about, you know, when you start to uncover and you ask people these really, truly focused, detailed questions, you begin to unpack. You know, unpack the issue. So I always make the, right. um, I, I make the example of, you know, have you ever uh, had your suitcase so full that you had to sit on it to, to zip it? <laughs> I just had to do that coming home from uh, 12 days with my mother across the country. Um, But when you have the suitcase so full that you have to sit on it or things are starting to slide out, you have a choice there. You can continue to shove it down and try to make it work, or you could take the time to open it up, take everything out, take a look at what you have, determine what you truly need, um, and if you need it all, put it back in a way that it actually fits. And so that's my, my concept is once you unpack the true meanings behind, the true issues behind, the true concerns behind whatever's happening, then you can repack it. We understand why we're doing what we're doing and we can have a solution that kind of becomes very easy to see and much easier to embrace. Right, and one of the characteristics uh, of the type of leader that you are describing, and again, I feel like we're looking in the mirror at one another, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is, is that we do generally uh, have all of the answers because we are problem solvers, right? So exactly. the next question, I think, is, is perhaps even the most important and perhaps the most absent in my own leadership style, and that is, what do you think we should do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where empowerment comes in. And you're absolutely right. I can see it as we're talking. I'm nodding my head as well. And I think that there's a lot of people, I know there's a lot of people like like us, that we are good at solving it. So we do. But then we will never have anyone else develop to their full potential if we don't do it. And it takes a lot more time. Um, the, the number of hours that I've spent role-playing with my leaders on various issues is massive. But and during that time, uh, my phone is you know, either turned around, upside down, I can't see it, I'm turned away from my computer, or I'm physically in front of them and my phone is completely gone. It takes a great deal more of my time and energy to do those things, but the payoff and the reward is so much greater. So when we really give that time and attention and we we get to the point where we say to somebody, well, so with all these issues, now that we have it all laid out in front of you, what do you think we should do? What do you think you should do? And as they go through, you can still steer them back if if you think that they're really going down a wrong path. 
you have that opportunity. You don't have to just let them go blindly. But you have the opportunity for them to have that moment and say, oh, this is what I should do. Maybe I should help that person by role play how she talks about cost to her customer so she gains more comfort. Wow, what do I gain from that then? What does she gain from that? And ultimately, what does the customer gain from that? Well, that that is just such great, great advice. So within within the story, um, you you have an, a number of other characters that emerge. Tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, all my characters are a conglomeration of people that I've worked with and for over the years. And like I said in the beginning, some of them are more clearly uh, aligned to some people that I've worked with recently. But even those are just traits. And they're parts of their personalities that I I really appreciate the most. But each of the characters has a different issue that's holding them back. Um, And I love to see their evolution as well because as I've used this strategy, and I remember when I became very, very cognizant about saying, tell me more to people about four years ago. And I would I would stop and I would say, tell me more about that. And then as they go through, I'd say, well, tell me more about that. Okay, so tell me why that's your thought process. And I remember one person getting so frustrated with me saying, why do you keep asking me to tell you more? <laughs> why are you doing this? <laughs> and I started laughing and I said, I don't know, tell me more. Why do you think I'm asking you that? And it's it's really about getting people's awareness of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And now people that I've worked with for several years do it themselves. In fact, I just had someone uh, from the uh, the place that I, I was most recently at, and he's moved on to a completely different company. And he called and he said, I just want you to know, I bought your book for all of my team, and now we're all asking each other to tell us more. And he goes, and you know, you remember how I hated it? And I hated it when you started it with me? He goes, I totally get it. And that, to me, is the evolution. So each of these characters struggles with something you know some are very high achievers and they like to go 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 others are more nervous and they find um, that the more you question them the more they are worried about that uh, showing weakness um, or that maybe they're in trouble Uh, so you kind of see their each of their personal journeys Um, but at the end of the day they're all human and we're all human and even though my concept is not something that you'll say oh my gosh that's so brand new and evolutionary the fact that we still say, oh, my gosh, I don't practice that every day, that's right. the key difference. So all of my characters have to practice this and live it and breathe it in order to see the results of it. Right. And you use the book to describe things like what are the definitions uh, or those characteristics that make up a good leader. And and then you talk about when we go through difficult things in a chapter called Being Put Through the Ringer. Um, the one I'd like you to talk about just a little bit are the building blocks, uh, mm-hmm. which again is, is a part of your story, but uh, I know you're delivering really uh, super important information about the building blocks of, of success and, and of a team. Yeah, and I think it's, it, like I said, it's it's just very... It's very simple, but it's not easy. So the concept was, and, and actually that line came from one of my uh, salespeople a, several years ago when he called just out of the blue to thank me uh, for changing the course of his life because he was already very successful 
And he found through uh, mentoring and coaching with me that he achieved a whole other new level of success. And he was he was equating this to the change in his whole family's earning potential. And he said, you know, look, I'm the father of five. I'm the sole income in my family, and you have changed our lives. And I, <laughs> I remember saying, tell me more. It's not me. It's you. But it's where it's where the, the blocks really are simple, but they're not easy, meaning it's simple to say, tell me more and unpack an issue. But it's not easy because it takes concerted effort. So really the, the building blocks are simple, you know, to really actively listen and listen with all of you to be completely a part of that situation, that person, that dialogue. And when I say it's not easy, there would be times when I would be doing ride-alongs with my managers and my phone would be in my purse. I would not look at my phone until we'd stopped or we'd had a break because if I was actively engaged in that person, I needed to give them all my time and attention. Now, that's not easy because then later the the emails, the calls, the, the issues that came up, I still had to deal with them before the day was over. But... The more I develop my team, the less those those issues were urgent because we actively listen, we're actively involved, and then we unpack all the pieces so that the building blocks come when you see that clarity and people start to think strategically and they start to see solutions before they see the problem. And that's, I think, the, the key for me is as we break them down, you know, we really actively listen, we break down the pieces or we unpack the issue the solutions present themselves. And that gives us something new to build on that we didn't have before. Michael, I'd like to fast forward uh, to the end of your book, which is called Coming Full Circle. And, you know, what a great title for bringing everything around to where we can take a look at the whole picture and and the journey that your characters have come through, uh, Maria and Mark and, and, and the others. Absolutely. The the full circle moment for me is when Maria comes back again and she is uh, at the conference a year later. And she can't volunteer this year because she's so been so busy because her company has had such great success. And she runs into Jane, uh, the speaker, again, and they have an opportunity just to visit. And in Maria's perspective, she wants to thank Jane so much. You know, thank you. A year ago, you changed my life. You changed my career. I've seen implications of this in my personal life, you know, she tells her. And there's, you know, all this great feeling for Maria to be thankful for Jane. And I think Jane really helps her to understand, you did this. This wasn't me. I gave you the concept. You put it into reality. And that's, to me, you know, as, as we look at, there's a lot of different ways to define what a leader is. Um, and there's a lot of pieces of that. And I think we should all embrace that for what we feel is important. But one of the greatest attributes I think that any of us can achieve as a leader is to not make it about us, but to make it about them and to really be able to say, look, I just gave you some resources. You're the one who took this and became a better leader, a more successful sales manager, a more, uh, you know, dedicated, uh, successful, uh, you know, primary contributor, independent contributor to the business, doesn't matter what it is, but to be able to say, it's not me, it's you, and give people that sense of empowerment. So in, in the book for me, the full circle moment is realizing that you can have all the tools and resources you want at your fingertips, but if you don't use them, 
they haven't made a difference at all. So for my characters, they couldn't see the success until they practiced it. And for myself, that's always what's been. But it's also what I say to everyone in any training or any interaction that I have is, I can just give this to you. But if you don't use it, you won't see. And if you do, you will be amazed at what you learn about yourself and what you do for the people around you, whether that's in business, uh, your community group, your church, whatever you're involved with, also your family. Because as we make each other more empowered, the results we have are stronger, deeper, and people feel a, a greater sense of commitment than to the process which they continue to practice. Michael, I just love that. And again, this this book really takes you through the journey to become the kind of leader that you'd like to work for, right? And and so often we don't take a look at our, ourselves uh, in that light. The book that we've been talking about today is called Tell Me More. The author is Michael Sherlock. Michael, tell us how folks can reach you. I know you said that you're in the process of launching your website for the book. Uh, tell us the easiest way that they can get in touch with you if they'd like to have you come speak with their organization uh, or if they would like to hire you uh, to do a little coaching, which uh, I know you, a lot of us need. You bet. Um, my website should be uh, functional fairly shortly. So that is, it is shockyourpotential.com. So that might give you a little highlight to a second book, shockyourpotential.com. Uh, they can also reach me by email at michael at shockyourpotential.com. And uh, I'm all over LinkedIn. Uh, you, uh, you name it, I'm trying it. I've actually been trying to work with Twitter. And my uh, 26-year-old son thinks it's pretty hilarious. Um, but I am <laughs> making those. And that is uh, Michael S. Speaks um, on Twitter. So it's it's kind of a whole new world uh, in terms of promotion. But um, I I really thoroughly enjoy it. I'm having a great time doing definitely, uh, you know, keynote addresses and, and different uh uh, speaking engagements like that. I'm also doing a number of conference call trainings for groups and sales groups, uh, which has been a joy because I can come in and speak for, you know, 45 minutes uh, to an hour when they um, have weekly or uh, monthly trainings and have an opportunity not only to get my message out there, but take their individual situations. And like I told you earlier, I love it when people throw their worst case scenarios at me because then there's real world applications. Uh, so um, not only do I do that at coaching, there's a, a number of uh, different avenues that uh, that I like to come up with. But for me, at the end of the day, it's being able to reach people where they are, what their issues are, their message, their product, their service, whatever it is, and help them to craft what I teach to make it completely evident and worthwhile to what they're trying to uh, to achieve. Well, Michael, thank you so much for spending your day with us. And I would uh, love to invite our our listeners to buy the book, Tell Me More. I think you will absolutely love it. Her style of writing is very, very engaging. So again, Michael, thank you so much. And thanks for everyone who is a member of the Game Changer Network. And for those of you who are just listening to our free broadcasts, please feel free to join the GameChanger.network. Thank you again, and talk to you next week. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. Innovation. 
with Chickie Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm.